welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and strategies. Thanks for being with us on one of the 47 radio stations around the country. Maybe you're watching us on YouTube or maybe the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Thanks for being with us. I'm Michael Ball. Today we have a cool subject for you. We're going to talk about industrial real estate. We're going to talk about logistics. We're going to cover the performance of the industrial market and what to expect moving forward. We'll also talk about various cap rates and what to expect in the investment market moving forward. We're going to talk to a logistics expert and get some help on logistics, right? We all need that last mile. Uh, We're also going to talk about... we're going to talk to a big developer of industrial properties and get his view from the street level of what he's seeing in the marketplace. Well, please welcome my expert analyst here. And we have Renee Sirk. He's Director of Research with the CoStar Group. He's joined us here in Studio One today. Renee, thanks for being with us. Yeah, happy to be in the studio. Yes, us. yes, all the way from uh, Chicago, right? That's right. Right, come down here to Atlanta, and uh, we appreciate it. So how has the industrial market performed you know, so far in 2016? And, and how does that kind of compare to, to what you've seen in 15? Any any changes? Well, you know, every quarter I say it is harder to imagine a healthier market. And the next quarter I'm proving wrong because <laughs> the market just gets better and healthier. So I think that theme continued into the first quarter, into 2016. We always see a slowdown. Fourth quarter always tends to be the strongest mm-hmm. quarter. And the first quarter always tends to be the weakest quarter. So we did see a slowdown. but. Logistics coming in at about 35 million square feet absorbed. This is on a national level. It's the strongest first quarter essentially we've seen since the beginning wow. of the recovery. So it is not it is not slowing down. Wow. So what's that doing to rental rates? Well, if, when you have vacancies at what 6.7, uh, 7.6% rents are growing. Uh, you know, last year we saw rents growing five and a half percent. Looks like if you take the annualized number for the for the first quarter, we are there or higher. Uh, year over year, right now we have about 6% for logistics and annualized first quarter is about 5.8. So very strong. Right. So you expect to see rental rates continue to increase then in the industrial world? Well, we absolutely do. We forecast 206 metros and on a, on a national level, we do expect rent growth to remain essentially this year and next. Although we do, rem- do, we do expect it to moderate just a little bit because there is construction now, and especially on the speculative side, and tenants are starting to have a little bit more options of this new space coming on versus what they had about a year ago. And is most of this new space the, the mega buildings, or are you seeing some of the smaller buildings as well now? We absolutely started with the mega buildings this cycle, and every quarter I expect it to trickle down, and it is a little bit. But still, vast majority of it is, you know, 500,000 square feet and up, 36-foot clear ceilings, uh, big buildings. There is a need for the mid-size multi-tenant building, pretty much in every metro. Even a metro like Dallas, which saw, you know, five speculative million square foot buildings going up at the same time, the little stuff is still behind the curve a bit. So that's where some opportunities are then maybe for investors and developers and it's kind of that mid-size? Without a doubt. We, we are essentially an advisory arm for CoStar. We work with a lot of institutional investors and, and that, is, that has been our recommendation for at least 12 months now. Initially, we recommend buying that stuff because it was trading significantly below replacement cost. Mm-hmm. Today, we are more closely aligned with this is the product you should be building. And are there certain markets that uh, you're seeing more growth uh, or more opportunity in? 
Well, I mean, the big Dallas, Chicago, Inland Empire, Atlanta, Northern New Jersey, they are, they are still the big markets. Mm -hmm. um, we are, on the smaller side, we definitely see more opportunity in the fast growth markets. Atlanta had a slow start to the recovery, but now it has caught up quite, quite significantly. Um, this last mile that you mentioned is definitely driving demand more closer to the city, and clearly the bigger the population, the, the, the better the opportunity. I think the only market where we're being cautious right now is Houston because of the energy prices. We're talking with Renee Sirk with the CoStar Group about industrial real estate. And so in this last mile, what type of buildings are you seeing that are that are leasing up for this, this use for last mile? Is it smaller buildings, mid-sized buildings, or is it buildings really built for industrial or some being converted? Well, it's definitely smaller, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the million square foot um, super regional distribution fulfillment center. And then getting closer to the city, we are talking maybe a 200,000 square foot requirement. And while the big buildings are quite specialized, although most developers try to build them so they can convert them when that tenant leaves next generation, the, the infill buildings are, you know, standard building, uh, you know, 32 foot clear probably works, nothing, nothing fancy. Now when you go to cities like San Francisco and New York, really, really infill, some interesting scenarios are being, uh, being contemplated. Um, even the first multi-story building, industrial building, is being contemplated in, by Prologis in San Francisco and in Seattle. So that would be a new one. That would be a first one for this country. Okay. So do you expect new deliveries to increase in 2016 and moving forward or to kind of stabilize? Or? It's going to continue to rise. That's one of the reasons why we expect, uh, why we expect the rent to start moderating. Still grow, but not at the same rate. We do expect vacancies to start rising this, this quarter. They were flat at 7.6% in the first versus fourth quarter. We are tracking about 150 million square feet under construction right now, which is a, on, on this is just logistics. Uh, so that's a, that's a meaningful number. Last year it was about 120, or before it was an 80. Before that it was about 40 under construction. So it's, it's definitely coming up. What about flex buildings? Uh, it seems like some of those buildings have uh, not done as well in some markets. What do you guys see there? Flex continues to be the building of last resort, uh, I think, for tenants, and it's also true for owners. There's not a lot of interest in those buildings. because There are specialized investors who focus on this. Yeah. But if you think about a lot of the demand for, for flex buildings sometimes comes from uh, office tenants when that market gets gets very saturated and that's definitely not the case suburban office is not doing very well so flex is probably the the least performing least well performing segment of industrial yeah and that's interesting especially when you see some of these smaller tenants starting to come back like in home building uh, type of, of tenants that are related to, to that industry so what tenants do you think are going to create the most demand uh, moving forward for logistics industrial type buildings well, it's still going to be, on the light industrial, it's still going to be the, the, home, the home building related industries. And actually manufacturing is a decent driver. And um, now the dollar, being, the dollar being strong, that's not helping. In fact, that has been hurting uh, the manufacturing sector. So that's, that's a negative. I think if you think about the last decade, it was about the containerized imports. This decade, it will continue to be about e-commerce and infill probably more than, more than anything else. You know, a 2% GDP growth 
it's, it's hard to see anything outperform un, unless there is a structural shift, which is exactly what we are seeing in e-commerce. Renee, have you seen anything in the numbers that, that maybe surprised you? It seems like, you know, with the Panama Canal and, you know, some of the deeping of those ports and, and uh, expansion of those ports, it seems like we keep expecting things to change a little bit in performance in some of these markets and property types. Anything stand out to you? Well, the Panama Canal is, is really not operational yet. It's, it's about to happen, so we will see. We, we've done a lot of research on it. Our view's been it's not going to be as, as impactful on the East Coast as a lot of people would, uh, would expect. I think the primary beneficiary are markets like Pennsylvania, the Lehigh Valley, York, Reading, Harrisburg, that, that uh, corridor. Uh, stealing a little bit of demand from from Jersey, mm -hmm. central and northern northern New Jersey, that has been probably the greatest beneficiary of this. Everything else, you know, it's going to be the standard market. It's going to be the Atlanta benefiting from Charleston and Savannah. Obviously, Houston and Dallas benefiting from Houston, and a lot of that stuff from New York is going to go to the Lehigh Valley. Yeah, well, at least I'll be able to get my boat through there after they widen it for me. Yes, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, so opportunities then for industrial investors or developers. So not flex. No, not, you don't. Th not, not flex. Not this uh, cycle. But maybe some of the mid-size uh, buildings. I think the best opportunity right now is to build mid-size. Mm -hmm. You can do it almost in any market. Obviously, you have to know what you're doing and pick the right submarkets. All that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's probably the best. The best opportunity. Um, and um, you know, if you really think about it, the, the recession is coming. Right, we are thinking maybe two Please, years no, from now. No, no, not no. today. Not, not, not by the time I leave the studio, <laughs> but uh, probably a couple of years. So by then, it's going to be one of the longest expansions we've had on record, and so locking in tenants today for five years, um, you know, you'll weather that recession quite okay. Yeah. Well, I guess you'd hope you'd uh, lock them in longer than that, I guess, if it's a big industrial lease, right? For and, sure. Uh, that would be talking 10, 12 years, right? Yeah. Even more. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And, and it'd be interesting, too, to talk about the investment market and, uh, you know, if the recession, the bad weather's coming <laughs> in, in two years, what should we do there? So we're going to take a break. Renee's going to stay with us. We're going to talk about the investment market. Should it be buying? Should it be selling? What do you expect with the cap rates? Uh, how interest rates might impact values in the industrial market? Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by CCIM Institute, commercial real estate's global standard for professional achievement. Visit ccim.com slash CRE show. That's ccim.com slash CRE show. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull, and we're having fun here in Studio One with Renee Sork. He's with the CoStar Group. And, Renee, we're talking about industrial properties. You're talking about it's remarkable how well this market has really done. And uh, you said it surprised you, right? So what's that doing to the investment sales market, the capital markets? Is, um, are investors really still flocking to this sector? 2015, without a doubt. It was an, it was an incredible year, record year. We saw new institutional capital flowing in. I get calls from non-traditional institutions all the time, non-traditional industrial in, uh, investors all the time. They want to get in. Absolutely the case this last year. This year, a big, big slowdown. Our year-over-year -year stats, they will, they will improve a little bit because the collection time takes, you know, it, it's lagging a little bit. But we are down like 30% on, well, exactly. on the investment volume. 
There was a little bit of a scare at the beginning of this year. Uh, I remember I was speaking at a conference when the stock market was down 550 points and you thought you were, you were at a funeral. So there was definitely, definitely <laughs> yeah. a, a sort of an emotional slowdown at the beginning of this year. But also, if you really think about it, there's not that much stuff to buy. Yeah. So it's not as much of a function of capital not wanting to get into industrial. But last year we had, we had um, Cobalt, we had IIT, we had KTR, we had uh, Blackstone, right there, it's like $20 billion, right? So that's gone. Yeah. And then it's not gonna retrade again and there aren't that many other platforms that somebody can go and buy. So we've absolutely expected the investment volume to be significantly lower this year, not due to lack of trying, but due to lack of sellers. Right. So it's it's uh, we don't have to worry about it. It's just a, it's just what happened because there's not enough product out there to, to hit those numbers again. What about cap rates? What do you see there? Well. Cap rates, there is a relationship between cap rates and interest rates. It's not as strong as a lot of people would expect. We, we estimate to be about 67 basis points. So if interest rates go up by about percentage point, cap rates follow by about 67 bips. Cap, uh, interest rates are not really going up. So cap rates are staying flat. On the best properties, it is difficult to imagine for them going much lower. But there is still a very wide spread between the A and the B stuff. There is more room for the B stuff to compress, especially if there's not enough A product on the market. So that's something to watch. Wow, so B could compress even more. B could. That's interesting. I, I thought you might be saying that B, and, and, if, and if you want to look at the lower classes, uh, that they could be more impacted by rising interest rates because of maybe lack of, of demand. I mean, you know, we know we have that big demand for A product, seems like all the time, increasing from all over the world, but maybe a little less on the B and C type of stuff. But Well, C, I wouldn't go all the way down there. But on, yeah. the, on the B side, the question is, does the capital unable to find the A stuff, is it going to be willing to buy B, or is it going to be willing to take the, the four-handle cap rate to a three-handle cap rate, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think on the, the best stuff, we are probably as low as, as we, at least a minimum, should be. And so there, there may be some B, B opportunities out there. Right. And industrial investors um, from um, institutional size investors, investors from other parts of the world buying in the U.S., I guess they're not as concerned like they are when they're buying office, that it's in Miami or Boston or New York. Uh, they're really looking at industrial markets that are hot that are like all the ones that you've talked about that may be all over the U.S. I think that's historically been the problem for foreign capital. Mm -hmm. You know, in the shop we always joke that foreign capital doesn't take connecting flights. Mm -hmm. So where it lands in the US, whether it's New York, whether it's uh, LA, that's where they buy you know, Boston, San Francisco, and that's it. They don't buy the middle of the country. Yeah. Even Chicago has fallen off the, the radar for a lot of, on the office side, uh, for the institutional capital. Industrial, you gotta go to these random places like Pennsylvania and Memphis, they never heard of. And so there was always a reluctance. Last year, we absolutely saw the exact opposite Right, all those big transactions I mentioned, those uh, portfolio plays, they were all essentially bought by either 100% or partially by foreign capital, and they were all over the country. So if you want to do industrial or you're international, you got to get the map out because you're not going to be buying in four or five cities. Right. And what are some sample cap rates that, that you're seeing today? Well, I mean, the best stuff, we've seen four handles in California. And uh, you know it's not unusual to see a five cap in you know a market like Central Pennsylvania. Um, Dallas has gone really, really pricey on the cap rate side, and I think that is the biggest difference right now. That the best stuff is at extremely low cap rates, 
and to date the rent growth has justified it, but the long-term rent growth in a market like Dallas is much less than in a market like LA or Inland Empire. And so I think there is a little bit of mispricing going on right now, and there may be a little bit of a pain uh, during the recession as a result of it. Well, so if you're advising an investor, a client that uh, has a lot of, um, say, A properties, institutional or otherwise, is it time to sell? You said bad weather could be coming in two years. <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt, this is the peak of the market, yeah. right? We can be at the peak for a year or so, but this, yeah. this, this is the peak. So if you have the ability to not be a real estate investor, you know, this is not necessarily a bad time, like Zell selling equity office, uh, you know, last, last cycle. But if you have to be in, in, in real estate, that's your job, right? Yeah. Institutional capital is giving you the money to invest. Then if you sell the best stuff today, probably you'll have to buy it back at a higher price over the next year. Yeah. So I would say this is the time to buy the best quality buildings because they usually don't trade during the recession. But if you want to be buying a light industrial product, if you want to be buying a better, a lesser quality product, that does go that does go on sale during a recession. Right. And these low cap rates you were talking about in the fours and fives, I mean, these are nicer, newer buildings with very long-term leases traditionally, right? Absolutely. So right. that would be the new e-commerce buildings, whether it's Amazon, obviously good, good credit, uh, Home Depot, th those kinds of tenants. If you buy that building, the difference between industrial and office is that that your cap rate is also your cash flow yield. Yeah. You're not going to be putting any money into that building for the next year. It's like the rotisserie grills. You set it and forget it. Right. And so you buy it, and then you 10 years later remember you own a building. Right. So you don't really care about the next recession. That is by far the best recession uh, protection you can get. Yeah. It's funny you said that because I have woken up from a dream where I was dreaming that I own properties and I have forgotten I owned them. <laughs> now, I don't have that many properties listeners, so I'm not boasting, but I have had that dream where did I, did I ignore a building that I owned out there somewhere? So, Renee, where are the opportunities for investors right now? Is there a certain size, property type, area that uh, you might recommend? Um, the I think the, the best stuff is pretty much priced to perfection, mm -hmm. and it's priced beyond most people's cost of capital. Right? We talked about the, the foreign capital. They, they look at things a little bit differently. Yeah. So I think really the, the opportunity now is still, there's still some opportunity in the middle segment. You know, in the previous segment, we talked about uh, building it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the spread to replacement cost is not as wide. You should have been buying it two years ago like crazy. There's still some opportunity because the the price of construction has gone up, but it's getting it's getting tougher and tougher. Mm -hmm. uh, there there is nothing easy anymore. It's 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 actually some work now need to, needs to be done. Yeah, so you may have to buy some, maybe some markets that uh, hold some promise, uh, maybe some leases, uh, maybe some things that have some turnover, maybe a little more risk to to get the yield. I still would be very comfortable buying vacancy. Okay. Um, you know, even though I'm talking about recession coming eventually, they eventually is two years with the strength of the demand and the vacant square feet being so low at the modern space, there's still opportunity to, to buy things that need a little bit of love. Okay. Well, you'll probably be quoted on some broker's packages then. <laughs> <laughs> Vacancy is opportunity, what Renee says. Renee, Without thanks for doubt. joining us. Thank you. And uh, well, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the industrial market, including some logistics talk and some tips there. And we're going to talk to a developer and get his view of the market. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Stay with us.
The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions. Call 800-408-2855 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about industrial real estate, and now we're going to key in on a large part of industrial real estate for business owners and industrial real estate owners, and that is logistics. And we have Mr. Logistics here with us in Studio One, Paige Sipline. He's CEO of Team One Logistics, and I'd like to call you Mr. Logistics. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> we appreciate it. And you know, one of the things that seems like people have been curious about, and it's kind of been slow to, to happen, is the, the deepening of the Panama Canal uh, for these big container ships, right? And so where are we on that? And is, what's the impact so far? Where are we? Well, yeah, no, the Panama Canal has been a, a huge path of, uh, of trade for commerce for a long, long time. Um, Suez Canal as well. But, uh, but the, the problem is that Panama Canal has been sort of a speed bump in these larger vessels that want to come to specifically the east coast of the United States. Ports like here in Georgia, Savannah, Charleston, um, really all, anywhere up along the, the Yeah, east so it's coast. the widening of the Panama Canal and it's right. the deepening of the Savannah port, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, it's both sides, right? That yeah. cargo comes from Asia primarily and it wants the cheapest route is to come through the Panama Canal. But again, those the, the, the scale of efficiencies of those larger vessels, they just can't fit through that the older Panama Canal. So They've been working on deepening and widening that Panama Canal for a long time. Uh, current state is that it should be coming online in uh, next year, in 2017. Um, and that's really going to not really open a floodgate of new freight for a lot of your customers and the, and the folks listening to the show, but, but it will continue the growth of freight that's coming, particularly to the East Coast, um, and, and become hopefully cheaper for, for that logistics to move through to the East Coast of the United States and ports like Savannah. Um, and about, how about the Port of Savannah? Where are we there on the uh, deepening there? Yeah, so that's another 17-year-old project. They started <laughs> started uh, the process of deepening that canal or getting approval to deepen the canal or deepen the Savannah Harbor uh, 17 years ago. It's one of the longest studied projects in the history of the United States, believe it or not. Wow. And uh, so finally we got approval with that money's been in place. State of Georgia's put their monies uh, on the table and uh, they've let the contracts to begin digging and uh, widening the Savannah Harbor, which will, you know, it's the fastest growing port in the, in the country and, uh, and a huge conduit for freight, not just coming into Georgia, but coming into the southeast and really the, the eastern half of the U.S. So that, that'll be coming online uh, in the next few years. It's a, it's a lot of dirt to move and dig out of that, uh, that harbor, just like it was to widen the canal. So yeah. things are moving along in both directions. Panama Canal is getting deeper and wider. Savannah Harbor is getting deeper and wider. And I would also say, you know, the rest of the ports on the east coast are also gearing up um, to, to handle those larger vessels. Port of New York has a bridge they need to raise or take down. The Bayonne Bridge uh, needs to be fixed so they can get those large vessels. So each location has different problems and challenges they need to overcome to handle the growth of freight. That's a great problem for us in the logistics industry. Yeah. So what's that mean for industrial real estate owners and what does it mean for business leaders related to their logistics? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the freight comes to ports like Savannah, ports like uh, all over the East Coast and, and West Coast as well, but it doesn't just want to come to the port. I mean, me and you don't drive to the port to pick up our products, right? right? We go to stores. Well, there's an important point in between those two, and that's warehouses, commercial real estate and commercial um, industrial development in particular, which means there's going to be more of that online uh, that's going to need to come online to be able to handle those products, store those products, divvy up those products to get out to the stores that we shop at. Yeah. So 
does that mean it's going to be easier for business owners to to get their products uh, to their customers? Uh, and, and 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 is there any relation to all of that in the last mile? I mean, sure. a lot of people seem to be concerned with the last mile getting things to us fast, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, so we're seeing a lot more, uh, and you'll continue to see, and you know this better than I, a lot more distribution centers, a lot more e-commerce fulfillment centers. Mm-hmm. Home Depot just brought one online here in the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're seeing a lot of companies that are really rethinking how they plan out their industrial development, where they're putting their warehouse to get better access to population centers like Atlanta. Um, And particularly for that last mile delivery. Consumers, we want to have those products faster and faster, cheaper and cheaper, maybe for free on the shipping side. Uh, How do you do that if if your system and your network of DCs and warehouses uh, aren't really set up for that? So we're seeing a lot of changes there to be handled that last mile. What tip would you share with business owners who, um, related to logistics, like I've got customers of the show or, or fans of the show who want our coffee cups and it seems like shipping them has cost more than the cups. Uh, any tips for uh, business leaders related to logistics? Yeah, I, and there's no silver bullet, right? I mean, there's no easy answer. I'd be a billionaire if I had the, the magic answer of how to- well, You're Mr. Logistics. Mr. Logistics, right. But so I, I, the, the one, I think, broad answer I would give is that think about it holistically, right? Logistics is more than just an isolated part of the process. It's really involved in everything. I used to say and still say it now, it's the common denominator beneath our economy. Um, What I mean though is that manufacturing plays a role in that, which is connected to logistics, which is connected to last mile. And those supply chains are all different depending on the product you're moving. Uh, If you're moving products for Home Depot or if you're trying to get your coffee mug on a a smaller scale, um, you gotta think about it holistically. So try to think about how you can improve your manufacturing process, reduce costs there. Workforce plays a big role in that. Um, And then how does that connect into your logistics and maybe be able to offer cheaper or, or lesser cost shipping to your but to your customers. We're at the end of the segment here, but I'm good at uh, at selling cups, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm not good at the other things. So should I what should I focus on? What what I'm good at? Yeah, focus on what you're good at <laughs> and, and find an expert that can handle the rest of it. I'm a good cup salesman, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> well, Paige, thanks for joining us today in Studio One. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on industrial real estate and logistics. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about warehouses. We're talking about industrial real estate. We're talking about flex space, and we're talking about logistics. Please welcome my next guest. It's Dane Pryor. Dane is partner with Panatoni. Now, Panatoni has 17 million square feet of industrial properties under contract right now, and they own over 40 million square feet across the country. Dane's with us here in Studio One. Dane, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Michael well we, we appreciate you being here in uh, in the studio and I'm, I'm curious it seems like the industrial market it's been hot it keeps getting hotter what are you seeing out there for tenant demand in the properties you have around the country right now well we see demand is still is still pretty strong it's uh, it's uh, you know there was so much there was so little construction you know between 2008 and 2012 that uh, there was a lot of tenant buildup and demand and so that's starting to really hit the market now and you're seeing it across the country that that uh, tenants have absorbed space that's that's been on the market for a while 
and we're now all the developers are building space to serve that demand that's coming up so yeah and you're building quite a bit it seems so how much of this is already has tenants and how much is spec you know we've been on a track doing about 80 percent of our product has been in build the suits for the last couple of years it's probably closer to about a 50 50 mix right now between build the suits and speculative space uh, just because we're trying to serve you know the demand that we see in those individual markets that uh, that that are that are coming up and we we see that momentum so we're trying to capture that deal velocity in those markets are most of these deals the the build the suits for these te- are there tenants they're not buying these buildings uh, I would say most of them are lease deals. Yeah. Uh, probably two out of ten deals I see are, are deals where the client wants to own the building or the user wants to ultimately own the building. We do some of that and mm-hmm. on a fee development basis, but uh, most of what we're seeing, companies are really trying to deploy their capital in their businesses and and let the real estate be a lease obligation versus yeah. trying to own it. Right, well, that makes sense uh, for them typically. So to put it in perspective then, Dane, uh, how does this look compared to kind of historically how much you guys have had under construction? So, uh, you know, right now we are just about back to where we were in say 2007, where we were developing about 20 million square feet a year. And uh, we're, we're on track to uh, clip off about 20 million, 17 to 20 million square feet in the next 12, 12 months. So Nice. Now, you seen any better performance in any particular types of uh, industrial properties or sizes? You know, the, the uh, investors, the users, we're seeing a lot more in the, in the 500 to million square foot range. Um, you know, 500 used to be the, uh, a really, really big building, and now it's sort of, you know, that's, that's an average size building, and you're seeing a lot of users in the million square foot range. I mean, just uh, in, in our market here, we've had about 10, 1 million square foot deals in the last, you know, 18 months, Michael. Yeah. Wow, 500,000 square foot. Sounds like my house, you know. It's uh, <laughs> No, no, maybe 500 square feet uh, out there, listeners or viewers, is uh, my house. So um, what are you finding that's interesting to these tenants today? Is there anything in these new facilities uh, that they're demanding or are wanting? What's, what's the trend there? Well, you know, the industrial today is, is really the new retail. I mean, you're seeing growth on, on the e-commerce side for industrial uh, that's, that's in the mid-double digits, you know, 14, 15% growth in retail sales over the internet right. versus retail sales at the, at the store level is under 2%. And um, so, you know, these, these companies are coming in and, and occupying warehouses and delivering boxes to your, to your home versus you going to the store and, and buying. So that's where the growth is. You know, internet sales only represent about 8% of total retail sales in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's, it's a very small part of the overall, but it's growing at, you know, 15% a year. So uh, a lot of the tenants that we're seeing right now are retailers. You know, we've, we've just recently completed some deals with Office Depot and Best Buy, and, and uh, you're seeing a lot of projects out there with Amazon uh, leasing up spaces in and around, um, you know, the metro, metro areas now. Okay. And are they leasing some of these properties that are, that are closer to the main cities for that last mile? Yes. You're, you're seeing a lot more of, of them leasing spaces for that last mile delivery. The, 
you know, the same day delivery model where you purchase on the internet in the morning and it's at your home in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. My, my uh, wife ordered something that I think it was yesterday. She told my daughter to order and said, Oh, make that Amazon prime. I want it now. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. So you're, you're talking to tenants uh, all the time. Um, any, t- can you give a tip for tenants that uh, may be coming up on a renewal or, or need new space? You know, for, uh, for the tenants out there right now, they need to make decisions pretty quickly. Um, unfortunately, even these million square footers that you're seeing out there, these users are coming out and they need that space in three to four months. So there's not a lot of time to, a lot of lead time to build for them. And uh, that's, that's probably the biggest change uh, as we're coming through this cycle. The, the uh, users are really demanding that space in the next 90 to 120 days wow. and and not wanting to wait for something to be built. In some cases they will, but in a lot of cases you're seeing, you know, big million square footers saying, I've got to have it in three months, four months, you know. <laughs> That's interesting that, that they think that could be built that fast. How fast can you put up a building? <laughs> you know, it depends on the municipality, but I mean, we've, we've built them in 100 days, depending on the site to, you know, eight nine months yeah yeah that's amazing so once you get the permit you can move pretty quick i guess yes all right well stay tuned we're going to have more on industrial real estate we'll talk about the investment market some so stay with us i'm michael bull this is the commercial real estate show check out valuate a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're talking about industrial real estate with Dane Pryor. He's partner with Panatoni. And Dane, are you guys buyers, sellers, or are just developers at this point in the cycle? Well, we, we do buy buildings. We buy uh, buildings to try to fix them up and, and uh, re-tenant them. So we're looking for vacant buildings to purchase and re-tenant in this market, also known as value add. We see still opportunities for value add plays in the markets but we're primarily building building new ground up going out finding sites figuring out what fits on that site building what uh, suits the majority of the tenant market out there that we see right so vacancy in some markets can mean uh, opportunity (laughs) right absolutely great and are you guys sellers in this in this market it seems like the demand from uh, investors is just huge for this space well, we're both. I mean, we, we build everything as if we're going to hold it for the long term. And uh, we, we capitalize deals um, with various different capital partners. So those different capital partners may or may not want to uh, hold a property for a long time. They may want to flip. Um, so it, it really kind of depends on our institutional capital for that particular project. Okay. Um, we have our own portfolio of, of our own funded projects and we keep those projects and, and continue to work off of that portfolio. But uh, a lot of our client, a lot of our institutional capital right now wants to hold long-term. Okay, and what are some of the top performing markets you guys see around the country? You know, the, uh, the Sun Belt is, is still pretty strong. Uh, LA and in the Inland Empire just, uh, it's crazy once again. I, heard a good quote the other day that said when uh, Inland Empire is 
is bad, it's still good, and when it's good, it's great. So, right. Um, but uh, Chicago's uh, doing really well. Dallas is uh, very active right now. Atlanta's very active. Um, Atlanta's probably the last of the major markets to sort of come out of this downturn. So it's still in the you know early innings of the uh, baseball game. Um, Tennessee has really uh, picked up a lot too. We've done a number of different build suits for uh, great clients in uh, Tennessee, Under Armour, Volvo, uh, Nissan, Volkswagen, a lot of uh, really great clients and, and we're seeing a lot of activity in the Tennessee, Memphis and Nashville markets both. Excellent. And you, you mentioned a lot of the growth is in these e-commerce buildings, right, for, for the last mile and get us those, uh, those toys and things we want to buy uh, and get them to us quickly. There's some real benefits, really, for these municipalities, right, with these e-commerce buildings. They're not the dirty old industrial buildings that don't employ people anymore, are they? Right. These these e-commerce facilities are typically, you know, will have 500 to 1,000 employees in them, in some cases, for a million square foot building. And, and that obviously spikes up during the holiday season. But uh, these are really good jobs with really good companies, and, and it's a very clean atmosphere working environment. So uh, they are really great employers now. It's not your, like you said, the old warehouse, you know, dusty and, and uh, dirty forklift driving kind of situation, which... Right. which yeah. uh, Right, you look a million dollars. You didn't walk in here with dirty shoes on, right? <laughs> and uh, so, are you seeing some municipalities that are open to um, kind of rezoning maybe some of these dead malls and things into um, e-commerce facilities? You are. You're seeing a transition uh, in uh, repurposing some of these malls to warehouses, and uh, some of our competitors have done a really good job at, at doing that. But uh, you know, at the as rental rates are increasing and cap rates are decreasing and the values are going up, you know, those sites that were really hard to develop in the last cycle are, are, are economically feasible today. Right. And I think if you're living in a municipality that, you know, has a dead mall and you think it's going to be a mall again, well, maybe it won't. And uh, so, Dane, thanks for joining us here in Studio One today. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us out there on one of the radio stations around the country, iTunes, YouTube, and the show website. Next, next week, we'll talk about health care. Don't miss it. Until next week, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. CCIM Institute, commercial real estate's global standard for professional achievement. Visit ccim.com slash CRE show. Valuate, easily share what if analysis online with colleagues. Visit getvaluate.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.